What's up guys, it's Savage here. Um, so a funny thing happened this week. We recorded the podcast last night on Wednesday. Um, and today, which is Thursday, I went to go edit the podcast. I had Leo and Bcom's audio files downloaded. And somehow when I went to put mine from my... Uh, mixing panel onto my hard drive the file became corrupted and essentially i lost all the audio for myself from this past week so what we're going to do now is still release the podcast however you will not hear any of my snarky witty um unintelligent comments thrown in there um with Leo and Bcom, but instead I will do my best to edit it down to where you basically hear Leo and Bcom talking about the topics that we all discussed, and hopefully it doesn't sound too out of place. Um, if you hear a few things that maybe seem like they were replying, you know, to somebody who wasn't there or somebody who you know, isn't in on the conversation, that would be because they were probably responding to something snarky I said. Um, but hopefully that we can keep that to a minimum. So without further ado, enjoy the show. Welcome to the ninth episode of the Nerdum and Other Nonsense Podcast, your home for all things nerdum, gaming, tech, and entertainment. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google, Play Music, and YouTube. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter for the latest updates and info. Today we'll be talking about the games we played this week, the latest news, and later on we'll also be discussing our first impressions of Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm Leo, and, t- and with me today I have... Become. So how's your guys' uh, week's been going? I know the Oscars happened. Yeah, and I'd just like to congratulate the winner for Best Picture, La La Land. Woo! God, they really, they really, I mean, I just, I mean, it was amazing how they just won every award leading up to Best Picture and then also won Best Picture, too. I mean, it was great. It was really- okay, I have a question. Why have I never heard about La La Land until the Oscars happened? I don't know. Maybe La La Land wasn't as big on in the like Midwest as it was on the West Coast and the East Coast because I, I know everybody here heard about it. Because we all love musicals out here. <laughs> well, we're still considered on East, Mid-East. No, you're not. No, trust me. Because I'm from the East Coast and you're not East Coast. There is no coast where you are. <laughs> no, mid. I said Mid-East. We're not Midwest. Uh, I disagree. So, um, yeah, but so, yeah, it was great that La La Land... Wait, wait, La La Land didn't win Best Picture? What? didn't watch it what are you guys getting but they said it on live tv was it wait was this fake news but trump said that if it's on tv it can't be fake i'm so confused guys i'm so confused but anyway it was beautiful when la la land's producer was giving a huge speech about how uh diversity in movies is great and then God intervened and like called the stage manager at the Oscars and said, hey, actually, uh, Moonlight, the movie that's actually diverse, that movie actually won the Oscar. So you can get the La La Land people off stage now. <laughs> I thought that was like beautifully ironic. <laughs> they were just like in the middle of this big diatribe about how Hollywood is becoming so much more diverse. And we at La La Land really respect that, even though almost everybody in our movie is white except John Legend. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway oh diversity jesus god i'm just what gonna, did they win i'm gonna write damaged across my forehead because apparently that will win me a best makeup oscar that's what they won they won for best makeup ouch well, I guess there's other things that they would have won. I would have been more. I would actually been against. But maybe how about how how much use of makeup they used? 
Is that why they won? I don't there's think there's a lot so of makeup in like, that movie. It's Star just Trek, caked on them. Like They're Star Trek the Beyond was in that, and like there were <laughs> multiple people who had like complete like face masks throughout that movie that looked great. Whereas Harley Quinn had like some white shit on her face. Her and uh, the Joker had just had white powder on their faces and <laughs> some makeup yeah. and eyeshadows. And then there was like liner. King Croc, I guess. But like, seriously, it was just, yeah, it, it was embarrassing that that won, <laughs> to be fair. I think but, that movie uh, was kind of embarrassing in the first place, but I have problems with it. I personally, so I watched Moonlight and La La Land like, r- like the day before the Oscars. Uh, and they're both really good movies. I personally liked La La Land more. Uh, I just think it was a better film. Like Moonlight is an incredible story and like an incredible statement. But as a film, I didn't think it was nearly as interesting as La La Land. But to be fair, like La La Land won for best director. And that was clearly the best thing about that movie. So I don't have any problem with Moonlight winning. Mm. Well, I hadn't seen either. So I can't give an opinion. They did win a lot of awards. <laughs> like, so I, I understand like, so what happened at the end of the Oscars is that Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway, who, you know, were Bonnie and Clyde back in the day, they came up to present the Oscar for best picture and Warren Beatty is handed an envelope by the stage crew that has the wrong envelope in it. It has the wrong winner in it. It's like he opens it up and it says Emma Stone La La Land for best picture. So he knows he's presenting best picture and he like does a double take. You could see this on the live broadcast. He does a double take and then like he then he like shows it to Faye Dunaway and then she just reads it off thinking that he was just joking around. But he was like doing a double take because like he knew he had the wrong card but then he couldn't like i guess it was just too high pressure for a situation for him he couldn't just like have the wherewithal to say like hey i think i have the wrong card <laughs> like that would have solved so many problems and saved so yeah much but how time. bad would it have been if he actually had the right card <laughs> that would have been pretty bad like yeah, yeah like for a little bit of a second there i was like whoa is warren Beatty like really racist <laughs> but, but no no that that was not what happened. he was like wait i know this isn't the actual winner something's up <laughs> um the only other thing i've been playing besides our main topic is i'm still playing fire emblem heroes and probably will be continuously for quite a while um just invested a lot of time in the game i play every day i never let my stamina get full <laughs> I saw you tweeted out like you got like, you summoned like two five stars that are like the same character or something. Yeah, <laughs> th- th- this game has some weird RNG going on. Uh, yeah, I you when you go and summon, you get five orbs, and each of those orbs open up. Well, it gave me two five stars of the same thing. I thought they were they were actually two different versions of Tiki, but okay. I already had the one version, so that was still better. But I was like really game but that's the game's feast or famine and then there was another one i tweeted where i have way too many red characters oh, i need yeah. greens okay i really need some blue i went to summon it gave me five red orbs <laughs> i did the one summon for the five orbs i did to get in there and just backed out i'll save the rest of those 15 when i get another five orbs to do all five again <laughs> yeah that was ridiculous i, I saw dude, the game is just killing me with red characters i am I'm drowning in them and I cannot get through them. <laughs> and I know it's not just me. Cause when I do the arena battles, like I, I do have a F frame. I do have a, a five star blue F frame and he just wrecks because everybody I go up against has two or plus, uh, red characters or they have that freaking Takumi guy who, yep. Who is colorless and he will just, he wrecks anything and everything that comes across him. Yep, he's pretty OP right now. It seems yeah, you like. you every time you see him, you seek him out immediately, and you at least double team him to make sure he is dead. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, he'll just he'll just wreck your whole team. What seems to be like the best ranged type character? Is it like the assassins or the archers or the mages? What's best for you? Um, when it comes to that, it just honestly depends on you know getting the right rock, paper, scissors technique to work. Mm-hmm. I, uh, let's see here. Arch, really, that's all it depends to. Archers are pretty good. I do have a George. He's really good too. He's only second to Takumi or whatever. Um, the other two ranges that I'm, I'm actually working on, one of them's already up. I do actually have a, a Leo. He's <laughs> a, uh, mounted red mage. 
that has like the same thing as Camille where like when he damages a unit, it does seven damage to everybody around him and I have those two working on a team. So it's pretty fun just to wreck people with those two. But then I also have, oh geez, I just, I got so lucky and got her in the last, uh, cause there's a new heroes right now. It's a uh, Olivia, I think something like that. She's a, uh, she's a blue mage, but she's a mounted blue mage and she's the only mage I know of that attacks twice. Oh wow. And cool. yeah. And just like I said, everybody running a ton of red, uh, she just wrecks people. Oh, I'm sorry. Her name's Olwen. O L W E N. Oh yeah, I think I've seen her. Yeah, she she is amazing, and I can't wait to pair her up with Leo, because I'm pretty sure those two together will just start wrecking everything. But what you are you still playing that one? Become. Uh, I haven't played much in the last week because I've just had too many other things going on that I've been playing. And also, I sort of just, like, hit a wall where if, like, if I don't spend money, like, it's going to be annoying. Like, it's just going to take an annoyingly long time and a lot of investment to, like, level up characters. And then the thing is just, like, I don't see the end game where I'm, like, happily using those characters. Yeah, um... It helps to to level your guys up. You definitely need to do the training, but you can get like four guys up to level twenty in one day, and then yeah, that's true. And about I'm not too sure on this, but because I got these guys up to thirty, thirty one, thirty two, and that's when it really starts lagging. It's when you pass the twenty five mark, and then you really feel it when you hit the thirty and thirty five level. But the, yeah, you're just doing the training, get them up there. And then just trying to do the story missions, which use a ton of stamina, but that's how you get your orbs. You just, I'm actually into the lunatic part. Once I get these guys up to level 40, I'll probably finish that out. And then once I do that, really the arena is the only thing I'm going to have left to do. Just leveling other guys. Yeah. Besides that this week, uh, I've gone back and a couple months ago on games with gold, they had a Tech and Tag Tournament 2, which is backwards compatible now from Xbox 360. Uh, so I fired that up and just like played it online. Like it's kind of weird because like so to play it online since it's backwards compatible on your Xbox One, it like logs you into like the Xbox 360 interface, and then I had to add my friends to my Xbox 360 friends list from inside the Xbox One. It was so weird. It's because you're basically like emulating an Xbox 360. Uh, yeah, I I have my old SSX uh, disc and I put that in and that's, it made me do the same thing. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> once I got that all like up and running, like it, it worked super well. Uh, and I haven't played Tekken in like a really long time. Like I used to play Tekken a lot with my friends. Like, I don't know, around the time maybe that this game came out or like the previous game came out i don't know um but like it's just fun just like randomly going through the like the character list because the characters are so ridiculous in tekken like there's like the velociraptor named alex and there's like kuma and panda and then there's just like whole cast of crazy characters all with like really interesting move sets um it's such a great game it's such a great fighting game it's just like endlessly like fun to play online too uh, so that was good. And then the other thing is I finally broke down and bought Rocket League on Xbox as well. I've had it on PS4 <laughs> ever since it was a PS Plus game. So I got it for free there. So I don't feel too bad about buying it again because I didn't really buy it the first time, you know. So, yeah, I, I've been playing a ton of that on Xbox. And it was really fun uh, playing it before I got ranked because... Uh, I'm pretty darn good on PlayStation. Like, I've put in a lot of hours on PlayStation. So when it didn't know how good I was on Xbox, it matched me up against some people who were not so good, and I just, like, <laughs> was winning games, like, 12 to 0 or, like, stuff like that. Like, uh, there was one game I was playing with a friend, uh, and we were playing ranked doubles, and we scored three goals in the first 25 seconds of the game i think it might have been less oh my and then, god and then they left the match forfeited immediately of course of course that, they did there's no was, point in staying in that game it was just like such it was so much luck that that led to that though it's just like three perfect face-offs in a row 
immediately leading to goals and they were just like these guys are the best rocket league players ever and i'm like no we're not actually that great like we're just kind of (laughs) good it's just not matchmaking right because i haven't played enough for him to know how to do it for me yeah now i'm I'm finally ranked in doubles which is the mode that i care about really like standard is okay but i really think doubles is like the best like purest form of rocket league whatever but uh so now that i'm ranked i'm getting more decent matches but it's it's fun to work your way up the ranks in rocket league it's just such a great game well i have i have good news for you because there's a new xbox subscription that you have to pay for now (laughs) you don't have to you can't you don't have to pay for it but you know it's an option it's five dollars a month if you buy ten dollars a month so the thing we're talking about is the newly announced xbox game pass which is going to be coming out in spring of 2017 Basically, it's going to give you access to, eventually, more than 100 games as part of a $9.99 per month subscription service. Um, You don't need to have Xbox Live Gold to have access to it, but Gold members will receive, uh, you know, early access to new games that get added to the service first. Uh, And it eventually is going to work on Windows 10 devices, too, which is kind of cool, but not at launch from what I've read. Um, Yeah, probably a lot of tweaking needs to be done to get that to work. Yeah, and I don't think all of the games on the list even support Windows 10. But uh, yeah, so like at launch, it'll have certain games like Halo 5. That's a nice one. Uh, Payday 2, NBA 2K16, Lego Batman, uh, (laughs) Mad Max, Saints Row 4, Gears of War Ultimate Edition. That definitely supports Windows 10. I know that. Do I see Soul Calibur 2? Jesus, I haven't played that since. <laughs> yeah. Is that original Xbox? Yeah, this, no. This, well, I don't know if it's original Xbox, but there is an Xbox 360 version, which is what is being offered with the service. That's backwards compatible. Um, yeah, and stuff like Terraria, Mega Man Legacy uh, Collection, Fable 3, Tekken Tag Tournament 2, which I was just talking about. Uh, but yeah, so... The one big difference between this and, like, PlayStation Now uh, that they're making a big point of is that you can actually download these games to your console and play them offline for, like, up to 30 days before you have to, like, reestablish an internet connection. Uh, Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it's really nice because, like, PS Now, everybody was always complained about um, latency from with streaming the games uh, from a server to the console and like having issues with that but if you're just downloading the game file onto your console uh you're good to go basically it's just like having the game yeah that also sounds like easier server uh maintenance and keep up on microsoft part because they just have to download a file and like sony who has to keep probably more servers going just to stream something yeah and it's like probably the same file that you would just buy from the Xbox store anyway, except they're just going to mark it as like limited access or something. Yeah. They'll just put a 30 day, like you said, until it gets at some point reconnects with a server and it says, Oh, I reconnected reset for 30 more days. Yeah. Which doesn't use any data. (laughs) Yeah. And well, and so like, while PS now has been established for a while. They have like, like 400 or something games on there now, but it also costs $20 a month instead of $10 a month. So this this is a pretty good value. I think this is like a way better way of doing what PS Now has been trying to do. And maybe it'll push PlayStation to actually like change the way they do their PS Now service because it's too expensive and the streaming issues have been a problem since it started. So yeah, and this is why you have uh two uh two companies rather than just one monopoly or conglomerate cuz then you get uh competitiveness and this is what it leads to yeah i was gonna say i know a lot of parents at work have a uh, younger kids and they will just burn through games or they short attention spans get bored of their 60 dollar game you know in two weeks i'm being generous some of them are pretty bad but here yeah for 10 bucks a month they have this giant list of games and just burn through them because you're never going to get through them all <laughs> Yeah, it's true. I mean, it'll be interesting to see like how recent of games they end up putting on this service as it goes forward. Because like they're calling it, there's some press outlets have been saying like, oh, it's kind of like Netflix for video games, and that's kind of true. But like it, like it also has to represent a certain value, like in that you get like some of the best games on the console, like you know, relatively recently after they come out. Like I don't know if it's six months or if it's like a full year after it comes out. 
that you put the game up on this service, but we'll see as they go forward. Yeah, it seems like so uh, Microsoft's response to Sony like creating a bunch of first-party exclusives that are fantastic games has been like, we're gonna make our like backlog extremely compatible and easy to use, and now we're gonna offer like a whole bunch of games as part of like a subscription service that's very affordable for people. So like they're they're going like the affordable like backwards compatible route while Sony is just pushing forward with like here's a, here's the next huge game after the next huge game after the next huge game. So we'll see like what strategy works better. Like I I wish that Sony was doing the same things Microsoft was. I I wish they weren't just battling on like two different fronts, you know. We'll see. If Nintendo were to put out a service like this, it would be hugely profitable <laughs> oh yeah yeah nintendo yeah with their backlog with games, their backlog yeah for I mean, sure like i they could probably charge 25 dollars a month i don't know that <laughs> that would be excessive but yeah i mean they, i'm saying they it's could the first thing charge heard, 10 though yeah about the first thing i've heard anybody say that to make me want to buy a nintendo switch so far <laughs> yeah i mean so i would love or, to see that yeah either of you guys lord of uh, rings fans uh yeah, I was a pretty a pretty big fan of the like the original trilogy of movies. I didn't like the Hobbit trilogy so much, but uh, yeah, we got some news this week. Uh, Middle Earth: Shadow of War announced. This is a sequel to Shadow of Mordor. Did any of you guys play that game? Nope, no nothing even about it. Oh, so this won a lot of Game of the Year awards that year, um, and it was. Because of a system that was built into the game called the Nemesis system, uh, which was so basically in the in this in Shadow Resident of Mordor Evil Nemesis. What did you say? Resident Evil Nemesis. Yeah, like that kind of Nemesis, like Star <laughs> Trek Nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> um, so basically, like you played a guy who was kind of like a ranger, typical guy, like very similar looking to Aragorn from the original trilogy. Um, and could you, you fire arrows two per second? Um, I can't. I think you did. Yes. Oh Jesus! <laughs> I think you could at some point. Like you that could was probably made level that joke. up. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> um, but basically, like you were in like Mordor, and like you had to like basically clear out certain areas of like orcs and stuff. But like every once in a while, you would run into like a like a captain orc, and if you killed him, he would die. And then he, you would, okay, yeah. that, that was a very fate stay night thing of me to say. <laughs> People die when they are killed. But <laughs> what I mean to say is that, okay, let's think about the opposite of that. If he kills you, he rises up the ranks in the orc hierarchy and he gets stronger as a character. So like when you die, you are resurrected by a mechanic in the game mm -hmm. and you come back and like the next time you see that dude he's gonna be like harder to kill for you so like it can lead to situations where you keep running into the same dude and he keeps murdering you and he just gets keeps getting stronger and stronger to the point where like you'll never be able to take him down it's it's really great so like you develop these like organic rivalries within the game that are really cool uh so they're expanding on that with this sequel uh, and they're saying they're going to add followers to this system too. Uh, so you'll have like followers as well as nemesis, uh, nemesis that like you'll be developing over the course of the game. So it's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, I've never heard of that game mechanic before. That seems uh, pretty interesting. I was really surprised that a bunch of game companies didn't just like straight up copy it. Yeah. I haven't heard anything else about it, but yeah. I don't know. Like all they have to do is tweak it a little bit. Exactly. And yeah, it's not the same thing. That's what I would have expected. Something like very similar, but uh, I'm yeah. glad that uh, they're making more of these games. It was a, it was a really good game when it came out and uh, I'm looking forward to the next one. Trailer was really gorgeous too. I mean, it's a CGI trailer, but it looked really cool. And what's it coming out for? You said PC, uh, Xbox one and PS4. Yep. All three. Sweet. Yep. And so moving on, there's an interesting piece of news. So in case you didn't have enough places to buy games already, uh, <laughs> Twitch is going to start selling games on streamers' pages. So you'll be watching a Twitch stream and there'll be like a button underneath their uh, stream to buy the game that they're currently playing, I believe is how it will work. Uh, so yeah, that's, that's what the article says. 
Yeah. So 70% of the sales go to the dev the dev of the game, 25% goes to Twitch, and 5% of the revenue goes to the streamer. All right, do you do you agree with those numbers? Uh, I mean, like, I think those numbers are fine. I just think it's an interesting breakdown. I mean, that's a lot of money to go to Twitch. That's, that's, yeah, that's where I see the problem. I think they should at least give more to the developer. If not, maybe, I don't know, a couple more percentages to the streamer. Because, I mean, they are the ones promoting the game. That's a good point. I mean, Twitch is providing that platform, though. Well, I'm just saying the developer and the streamer are only going to make their money on that specific game. But Twitch is going to make the quarter percentage of sales across everybody streaming, no matter the game or the developer or the streamer. So, like, Twitch is coming out super far ahead. Yeah, and other besides just getting the game, the people who purchase the game will get, like, a Twitch crate. Uh, and crates come with randomized items that are tailored to that specific streamer. Uh, that allow the owner of the crate to drop exclusive emotes or chat badges or bits uh, while watching that streamer. So that's that's a nice little bonus. Um, the only, yeah, so the problem I have with this is not much about as much about like the percentages, but just that this makes it so you literally cannot trust anything a streamer ever says about a game that they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> because they have an incentive now to promote the game so people would buy it. I mean, yeah, that's true. I mean. There's some streamers that I'm not. I'm. I'm assuming there's probably some streamers that are well known for trash talking games and whatnot. That's true. Like there's some people who have like a well established track record, but at the same time, like every stream of every game now is like a promoted stream almost. It, like you're they're demoing a product or like they're selling you a product at the same time they're playing it now every single time they stream which was not always the case before. So I don't really love that. I mean, it's going to make streamers more money, I'm sure. Uh, it's yeah. going to make Twitch more money. It's going to make Amazon more money. I mean, I'm, it's, like, it's a good idea in general. I just I just worry about what that'll lead to in terms of excessive promotion of games by streamers. So yeah, we'll see. just making streamers over-promoting the game they're playing, even though that's not their real thoughts and whatnot. Yeah... All right, I'm in on this. How about uh, some VR news? Because I'm waiting for one of the headsets to be the big lead, so I know which VR headset I need to buy. Well, it looks like one of them is out to a good start. So PlayStation VR has announced that their worldwide sales have reached like 915,000 units, so getting close to a million there. Uh, my note was that they should probably make some games for it now. <laughs> <laughs> like besides Resident Evil 7, like they should make, probably make some full experiences for this. But uh, it's cool that people are adopting it. I mean, it's clearly like the cheapest VR option that is actually like legit. Like it's not as cheap as Samsung Gear VR, but Samsung yeah, so Gear VR doesn't really work. So, What kind of games would you like to see? Uh, I bring this up because today I just had a discussion at work with a... Uh, a woman and she uh she loves Tomb Raider and she would love to play Tomb Raider in VR. So I'm like, oh like running down the hallways, you know, running along the walls and jumping for the ledge and then, you know, just missing it and dropping. She's like, I would fucking love this. <laughs> <laughs> she would get so sick though, probably. Yeah, that's and I brought that up. I said I said, people get motion sickness and even like Resident Evil, which is a slower turning moving game, people still got sick from it. Yeah. But she's she said it'd be totally worth it. So I mean, what kind of games would you guys be looking for for a VR headset? Well, the one that I want to see most of all is just a full version of that, like, X-Wing VR mission game. Like, I've been dying for, like, a VR Star Wars flight sim forever. Like, that is, like, my holy grail. Like, oh, yeah. If they make, like, a full, too. <laughs> yeah, if they make, like, a full campaign game, like, the size of, like, a Rogue Squadron game from back in the day or something, like, I, I would buy a PlayStation VR headset for that game. Sure. I would too. I honestly would really like an an FPS maybe, mm-hmm. but some way, something that makes controlling the gun a little unique. All right. And what would this podcast be but without Nintendo news? Our patented Nintendo section. <laughs> so the Switch Pro Controller apparently can be used on a PC. Uh, but there's some caveats. You can't connect it via USB cable. It won't work that way. 
you actually have to connect it via Bluetooth, and then it will show Which up. is strange. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's kind of weird. Um, it doesn't use X input either, which is, you know, what, like, Xbox controllers use. It uses direct input. Uh, so certain games may not work with it. Um, but it's kind of interesting that you can sort of use it as a PC controller. It's supposed to have really good battery life. Nintendo controllers usually do. So it's kind of nice to have as like a Bluetooth PC controller. Um, but uh, as, as I was like researching this, I also saw that this controller does not have analog triggers like every other modern controller. It has digital triggers, meaning that it's like an on or off state with the triggers. So it basically is going to be terrible for like racing games or any open world game that has like a vehicle in it or any shooter like that like makes use of analog triggers. So why that's would disappointing. They do that? I don't know why they would do that. It's really dumb. Um, I doesn't make oh, any sense to me. I, I honestly expect to see like a controller revision down the line because of this, because it's that weird of a decision for them to make. So many games make use of that analog trigger. I did cancel my Switch pre-order, by the way. I did end up... Yeah. I, I yep. actually ended up doing that. Uh, mostly well, you had be- no reason. You didn't have your game anymore. <laughs> yeah, well, I didn't have the game. And then the real reason was that I didn't want Amazon to have that money because they didn't deserve it anymore after screwing me over like that. So I may go to a midnight launch or like an 8 a.m. like Target opening and see like what luck I have. Because I don't mind giving somebody else the money, potentially. I still think it's a bad idea to buy the console at launch. Like, it's just... There are so many things that are, like, half-baked about this console at launch. But well, and also, you might get a good holiday bundle package with a game or something. Oh, yeah. It makes way more sense to wait. The only problem is every game outlet is rating Zelda, like, a 10 out of 10. <laughs> so now I like feel compelled to play it to see like what all the fuss is about um, and compare it with like things like Horizon as well I can't deal with some of these game reviewers who just lose their shit for Nintendo games no matter what flaws that they have or like what graphical inadequacies they have compared to like every other modern open world game and like they did just like oh it has this one cute quirky gameplay element so 10 out of 10 oh my god it's so cool that i can climb a thing with zelda it's just so amazing i've never done that in any other game ever and now we hear why uh becom hates reviewers and don't trust anybody <laughs> i hate just- reviewers when they review nintendo games i think it's gotten better the past couple years but like there is a good stretch there in the 2000s where like no matter what game it was from Nintendo, it was like a 9.5. Like, from yeah. like half of reviewers. Like, regardless of how good it was. Yeah, and the other thing I'm hearing is that, like, uh, apparently in handheld mode, when it's in 720p, it actually runs much better than when it's in TV mode at 900p. Like, like Zelda is seeing, like, major frame drops when you're playing it on TV. But then if you ha- have it in handheld mode, it plays very smoothly. So what, like, Do you the- like to, like, lag issues or something? Yeah, so this console can't even push Zelda at 900p to a freaking TV screen. <laughs> it's, like, so embarrassing. Like, why don't people see how embarrassing this console is for 2017? Because it's Nintendo, they know you'll buy it anyways. Basically. So anyway, I've ranted and raved enough, um, but uh, Nintendo did have a stream this week, and it wasn't a stream to like tell us anything about like all the numerous questions we still have about this console, but instead just about uh, indie games that are going to be coming to the Switch in the future at some point. Um, so they announced like 64 indie games that are going to be coming to Switch, which is pretty cool. Uh, some of the most notable ones were um, Stardew Valley which is nice because that'll be a good game to have portable with you. I mean, that game is like crack, so I assume people are going to like lose their jobs now having this portable. But uh, uh, it's also going to be the first console to have the multiplayer mode for Stardew Valley available, which is really cool. It'll come to PC first, but um, no other console before Switch. And that's coming in summer 2017. Um, and then... A couple other interesting games. Uh, There's a new Blaster Master game, Blaster Master Zero, uh, coming out March 9th. So that's really soon. That's in like eight days. So uh, for $10, I mean, I know a lot of people who loved Blaster Master back in the day. 
I never played it, but I, I saw it and I've seen it played and I think it's pretty cool. Uh, and the graphics looked great and it's from the studio Inti Creates, who typically do really good work. So I would expect that game to be really fun. Uh, they got an exclusive in Runner 3, which is a um, new game in the Bit Trip Runner series, which is like probably the best series of like infinite runner games. Uh, I would expect this game to be like way better than like Super Mario Run or something like that. Um, these games are like seriously fun, and the graphics in this looked really updated. Uh, that's coming out in fall. Uh, there's a game called Wargroove um, from Chucklefish Studio. Uh, which is like a spiritual successor to Advance Wars coming out in 2017. So that's cool. Leo, since you've gotten so into Fire Emblem lately, you would probably really love this game. It's a very similar type of tactics game. Uh, and then Ukulele, which is like the uh, Banjo-Kazooie spiritual successor, is also coming <laughs> to Switch. So that's cool too. So And then there was a long list of other indies. I, I just listed a couple of notable ones, but... Uh, Right. It's good to see that they're filling in some of the gaps uh, where the console isn't going to have games coming out with a lot of indie games. That was a strategy that PlayStation used to its advantage as well. And Xbox has found that to be really a good strategy as well. Uh, just focusing on indie games to fill the gaps between the AAA games. So, yeah. All right. Next news. Uh, Ubisoft is apparently going to make an Avatar game. Not Avatar The Last Amber airbender avatar yeah. the movie yeah i felt compelled which to list feels a little late <laughs> that it was based on the movies well we have like movies two three and four coming though so maybe it'll be relevant by the time the game actually comes out uh this is coming to us from ubisoft studio massive entertainment who've worked on games like the division and far cry 3 among other things so it's a pretty big studio um they do pretty good work Especially to Division, which I got a lot of flack at launch, but since then seems to have fixed a lot of its issues and like it regained a lot of its player base. So, oh really? I need to go back and because I played it all the way up to the level cap at the time, level thirty. Oh yeah, and I was felt like it was very lackluster. I felt that just from playing the uh, beta, so I never actually bought the game and played the full version. So, yeah, but, yeah, I people have said it. it's much I, better. Uh, Australian buddy gave me his count info, so I put it on my Xbox. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> yeah, so, like, yeah. And, like, I gave it plenty of ample time all the way to level 30. It was a level cap. It was many, many hours. And at the end, I was just like, I literally hit level 30, and then I never played the game again afterwards because <laughs> I was just like, this is boring. And then, of course, Destiny had some DLCs. I had to play the crap out of those because yeah. uh, Destiny. Yeah. <laughs> So anyway, moving on, uh, Battlefield 1 has finally detailed what is going to be in its like expansion content. Uh, it looks like they have like sort of four pieces of DLC here, and it looks like they're, they're single-player like campaign DLC missions. This is pretty cool. Um, the first one is called They Shall Not Pass, which is where you play the French army in um, Verdun, and descend into the bowels of Fort DeVoe, where barbarous battles rage in gas-filled corridors, and take part in a tank assault as well on the N riverbanks. Uh, the next one is the Name of the Tsar, uh, where you're playing the Russian army, and it looks like you're going to be riding like Hussar cavalry and skirmishing, uh, which looks pretty cool. Um. And then let's see what else we have. Uh, the third one, Battlefield 1, Turning Tides. Uh, you're going to be, this is like a naval warfare one where you're like taking control of like an airship that's like used to defend against like navy, naval and coastal uh, weaponry, I guess. And so basically like Gallipoli type of mission, which is pretty cool. That was like a really interesting battle in World War One. And then finally, Battlefield 1 Apocalypse. And this is the one that, like, to me seemed like it was, like, a little bit over the top. I'm just going to read the synopsis from, like, the, like, press release or whatever. Conquer bitterly contested ground with brutal tools and unique weapons born out of desperation and deadlock. Never before have the nightmarish horrors of the Great War been closer as you descend into hell. Prepare to enter the Apocalypse now <laughs> the now was a uh, an editor's comment from savage i believe 
Uh, and then another big piece of news leaked. Um, well, by the way, before we get to that, I guess I guess I might go back to Battlefield One for that stuff because I did like the short like single single player missions. Like I didn't buy the season pass for the game, but uh, like it was a it was a solid game, and I would go back to play those missions. They were each of them were really fun. So, yeah, I never played them, so. Um, I think they took last year off, so I think this is the year that we'll be getting the game. Uh, so this is pretty cool. Um, there's a leak that Assassin's Creed, and I think the game is tentatively called Empire, uh, is going to be set in ancient Egypt. And so there's some screenshots floating around that got leaked. Um, and it looks pretty awesome. I'm not going to lie. Like I'm really tempted to buy an Assassin's Creed game that's set in Egypt, uh, especially if they've taken the time over the past year to like really think about new gameplay stuff and new like m- like world map stuff that like is different from what they've been doing. I've never played any Assassin's Creed, and I don't really see why people like it so much. Why do you, why do you guys like it so much? Um, so I think Assassin's Creed Two was my favorite game in the series, and the reason I liked it so much is was it was set in Rome. Uh, and it was like a frigging, actually, was it set in Rome or like Florence? I guess it was set in Italy basically, but it was like, like, you know, Renaissance Italy. And like, you're just like walking around these gorgeously modeled cities. Um, and the story of that game at least was kind of over the top and fun and crazy. Um, like you're just like assassinating these like crazy figures (laughs) and like, the last person who you assassinate in that game is just, it's batshit. And also, there's, like, aliens in that game. Like, spoiler. What? Like, oh, it, that, that game was nuts. <laughs> like, it was just so good. Um, but since then, like, I mean, I, I, don't, I think that game kind of holds up to, the, to this day. Like, maybe Assassin's Creed Black Flag is a better example of, like, a more modern Assassin's Creed game. That game was really fun because, like, you were sailing as a pirate around the uh, Caribbean and it was like a modern day version of Sid Meier's Pirates in almost every way. Yeah, that was uh, free to download, and I I played maybe like an hour's worth, but yeah, it was okay. So let's move on to the topic of the show, uh, and that is Horizon Zero Dawn, which just came out on PlayStation Four. Uh, uh, I, yeah, yesterday, uh, as of the recording, and may I start by saying, shoo dang, this game sure is pretty. When did you come? When did you come from the south? Uh, well actually my dad's from kentucky but i don't tell very many people about that (laughs) (laughs) that's true that's true that's an east coast accent everybody so Uh, so, uh yeah this game is freaking gorgeous like it's ridiculous leo you and i are both playing on 4k tvs too right yeah it's like heroin for my eyes (laughs) i'm about eight hours in uh I, Same. I just got to a place called like the the Karja Forts are basically on the eastern edge of Karja land. I don't know where you are, Leo. Yeah, I'm just getting ready to head there, but yeah. I'm going to do the couple of side quests first. <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about like a little bit about the way this game starts off without being too spoilery. Like, I just love the way this game opens and it like takes its time developing the like story of the character and the backstory of this game. Uh, Like I was just so invested in the character from the beginning. No, it don't know it. Yeah, you're right. It does a very good job. You know, uh, our main character is Aloy because Mm -hmm. they obviously couldn't say alloy because this game is very (laughs) metal heavy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that would be pretty. Yeah. So she's, her, her name's Aloy and yeah, you're right. From the very beginning, you know her from birth and you only get to know as much as she gets to know which is very important to the storyline. So like you're you don't know where she comes from. She doesn't know where she comes from. Um the people who do don't tell you until later on. You do find out within the first 6 hours. But then but that doesn't really answer any of your questions. Yeah, it only like raises more questions, honestly. Yeah, so you're very you're you're invested in this character. You only know what she knows. You know nothing about anything else that she knows nothing about anything else so like you can connect with this uh character very 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 well and it does that great 
I love so. the uh, there's like a Lion King moment in an early sequence when <laughs> like Aloy is like a baby and she's getting held up and like all of this will belong to you one yeah, day. Yeah, <laughs> I, I just want to say like this storyline has a couple things that uh, is just borrowed from other things. They're just meshing them together in a different way. So you, like you said, you got the Lion King thing and then later on you get the thing where she accidentally stumbles upon a it's not a spoiler it's very very early stumbles upon a device that allows her to see the world from like it's this weird computer perspective like an alternate it, reality like aug- augmented reality yeah. yeah it's an augment augmented reality it's like this little bluetooth device that she puts on her ear that she's just lucky enough quotes to uh stumble across so like mm-hmm. you know it's just another story thing but um Beyond that, I think the rest of it, the storyline is pretty good. Yeah, um, the that early part also really reminded me. I don't know if you watched um, at E3 last year, you know, PlayStation's conference. They had that trailer for God of War, where like there's the little boy and Kratos is teaching him how to hunt, uh, and it gets like very emotional and stuff. Well, there's a very similar relationship here with Rost, who is Aloy's caretaker, and he teaches her how to hunt. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's like, there's allegories with a lot of different stuff, but the main thing to take away from it is all, it's all super well done. Like the voice acting is great. Uh, like the facial expressions and like the high fidelity of like the character models is amazing. Can I just oh, yeah. talk for a minute about like the hairstyles of all the characters <laughs> in this game? Like, holy yes, all the shit. characters are very, very unique, even down to like, like you're saying their hairstyles, their hair is like incredible. <laughs> <laughs> like for like sort of primitive tribes people they take really good care of their hair let me just say <laughs> oh yeah their barbers products their over. barbers just must be like the mainstay <laughs> of the each of their settlements <laughs> yeah seriously each one of these settlements should seriously have like a barber shop or like a salon like set up in the middle of it somewhere like it seems like they're a little too good looking sometimes but i i appreciate it so. yeah they're either rocking dreads or braids with like one side shaven or the underside shaven or tied <laughs> yeah. back in a certain way like everybody's like so unique yeah I, they they must have created so many different hair styles just for this game it's like unbelievable yeah i don't know Uh, i read earlier today that they spent like 45 to 50 million dollars making the game and like the team was like 250 people large at its largest point i didn't see how many years they spent on it though did you say 45 million yeah they're gonna make so much of that money back like immediately (laughs) like (laughs) i mean there's i think tons of people are going out to buy this game but uh so i think this is gonna be very profitable for them but uh to put it in perspective i think like final fantasy 7 cost something like 200 million dollars when it was made but that's one of the most expensive games of all time <laughs> uh but anyway like i just love how the world feels like a very cohesive place like once it opens up um you find there's like different tribes of people that you're dealing with and even within the tribes there's different like social strata there's these people who are called outcasts who have been exiled from the tribe and are basically shunned by people. And you find out more about why that happens um, and the rules for allowing shunned people to come back to the tribe and whether it's actually like a humane thing to shun people rather than just like executing them outright like some other tribes do. Um, And just, yeah, it just feels like a lived in world that like has been really well thought out. Yeah, it's like some moral hum- humanitarian rules and stuff like that. Yeah. Which is pretty cool when you compare, like, each of the, we'll just say, tribes from one to the other. Yeah. But, uh, you, as Aloy, are an outcast, and you don't know why at first, but later on you do kind of find out. Yeah. You do. It's like, it's pretty clear at, at a certain point in the game. But I mean, I, it, I'm sure even more is going to be revealed to us as we go further. Basically, like these, this is in a post post apocalyptic era where it's like there is an apocalypse. Robot dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> and there's robot <laughs> dinosaurs roving around the land. And that's another one of the mysteries of the game. One of the things I like about this game is that there's big and then there's small mysteries. Like 
There's a mystery of Aloy's backstory. There's mystery of Rost's backstory. Those are two very personal mysteries. Mm-hmm. Then there's the mystery of like the individual tribes and why they act the way they do and the history of those tribes. Then there's the mystery of like the robot dinosaurs. And then there's the mystery of this thing that's called the All Mother, which is the god that these like one of the tribes that you start off with praise to. Yeah, they worship a mountain. Yeah, and this is just what the first eight hours that you may have played. So this game is like crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and like the first two or three hours is this tiny, tiny section of a map. Yep. And then once you break out of the their little bordered off area, it expands oh god crazily yeah five times maybe so i guess you could you could probably go like kind of wherever you want but the the game does a really good job of giving you like one or two main quests at any given time and then like at the maximum like three to four side quests so you're never feeling like really overwhelmed with crazy amounts of stuff to do um and at least early on like in the first eight or nine hours of the game that i've played like uh, it doesn't feel repetitive. Like everything that I've done has felt like new and different and like purposeful. And even the side quests feel like things that are well written and well thought out. And like there's the people that are asking you to do things have like real motivations that like I actually went through all the dialogue options because I kind of cared to find out. Um, in that opening area, this isn't too much of a spoiler, but there's like two side missions. And if you do those side missions before you leave the area, it affects the dialogue that you have with Rost before you leave. Like you can talk with him about the two things that you did. And I assume if you didn't do those two things, like either the dialogue would change or you just wouldn't be able to discuss those things. Um, I really love the dialogue wheel actually in this game. The way it's designed is just like really easy to use. Like basically you hold your analog stick at a certain angle to choose a specific option on the dialogue wheel. And when you've made it through that conversation thread, it gets grayed out so you know that you've seen everything there is to see in that specific thread of conversation. You could still go back to it if you want to rehear that dialogue. But uh, it's nice to know that, like, okay, I've done this, I've seen this, I've seen this. So, like, I've, I've been going through, like, every dialogue option, and I haven't been bored at all. Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. Like, the game, because it throws the way... It- explains the story everything is just so questionable so even no matter who i'm talking to they have a little snippet of something i'm like well why is this happening yeah and they, they will explain a little bit not the whole thing but just a little bit just to keep me begging on so when i go to the next guy who talks about it he tells me just a little bit more yeah and it's also the same with like certain collectibles and pieces of data that you find throughout the world um sometimes you find data that relates to like the pre-civilization that went extinct kind of before this civilization uh popped up in the post-apocalypse uh yeah which is it's a playoff hours but a little advanced yeah but and you can see but at some point our society went way downhill for whatever reason which at this point they haven't they've really not even touched on what and why happened but apparently something went wrong, obviously, because you're wandering around and you see giant rusted structures, like horribly rusted. And you go into like underground bases where like stalactites and stalagmites have actually formed. So like, doesn't that take like a thousand some years? Yeah, it takes a really long time. Yeah. So like this, like this is, it's just not like the nuclear holocaust happened like hundred years ago no this this has been a thousand some plus years yeah it's been a really I, there's like i haven't seen an indication of like exactly what amount of time would have gone by i'm hoping to see that later in the game I'm, like I'm, i've been seeing like data logs from like the year 2060 but that's clearly way way in the past yeah because like i said when you see the stalagmites and stalactites it's yeah it, we're talking thousand if not thousand plus years to form these so yeah another thing that really stood out to me about this game has been the soundtrack um i think it just gives like such like amazing weight to the narrative as you're going through it um there's so many great like orchestra cues like like strings like high strings and like just like awesome like heavy like tribal drum battle music when you're in like <laughs> battles it's so good it gets you really hyped up uh, like I said, I, I rarely notice the soundtrack stuff, but mm-hmm. what do you think about the uh, combat system? Um, I think, so there's a couple areas where I can say that I think 
it's a little bit broken on like normal mode at least, which is what I'm playing on. So mm-hmm. if you combine like there's a same here an ability you have called the lure, and then there's also an ability that you can like unlock called Silent Strike. So I use that one. Yeah. So like if you're in one of the main mechanics of the game is to crouch in high grass uh, to maintain stealth so the machines can't see you. You can also throw a rock, which does the same thing. Yeah. So you you can throw a rock to get the like robot's attention or and get it to come nearer to you. Or you can just use this lure call, which will make one robot and only one robot out of like a pack of robots. The closest. It does the closest. Yeah. It'll come towards you and then you can silent strike it. And it typically won't alert robots unless they're really close by. And even sometimes when they're really close by, it still won't alert them. Uh but so, yeah, that can be a little bit overpowered for, like, clearing out, like, a whole pack of stuff at a time. But it doesn't really work against bigger enemies, though. So it's only against small enemies that that actually works. Um, but, like, I I think as I've, like, gone further in the game and unlocked more weapons, uh, it's pretty fun. I like using, like, the trip wire, like, casting weapon. It's called the trip caster, I guess where you fire like a rope into the ground and then fire the other end of the rope like into a different section of like land and like try to put it in the way in the path of the animal that's going to like attack you basically. Yeah, see I've had I've had problems with that where like it doesn't trip. Yeah. They run through and it won't trip and I'll run back around the other side and it still won't trip. And yeah. then it disappear and then I have to redo it again and then it just disappears again. So I don't know what's going on, but I've been liking to use the uh, slingshot or whatever it is mm-hmm. for the uh, element. If I need the elemental specific damage, yeah, that slingshot is pretty powerful, and it can also du- it can also make um, those like herds of animals like scare off and run in a certain direction. It's kind of finicky to where to how to place the shot though to get them to run and in a specific direction it's i don't know i haven't oh, i haven't had to do that yeah. but just like i just know certain depending on the enemy type they are more susceptible to uh elemental damage and i know hitting them with like a shock or an explosive or a fire is a uh, very very helpful the uh the bow and arrow shot is basically just like a straight sniper rifle shot there's like no there's no like fall off to the arrows basically <laughs> no yeah it's pretty straight i expected a fall off considering they have one that's a precision shot. Yeah. And it, and it's basically, it just means that you have a slower reload. You can just do more damage, which is, I guess, better for sniping whatnot. But yeah, I did take out some enemy encampments completely stealth. Oh yeah. With just, with just that. So, it, I mean, it's fun in that aspect. Yeah. I've, I've gone through entire like bandit camps, just sneaking through high grass and, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So, yeah, I I definitely love playing this game in stealth, but you can, like, you can buff, like, your spear and, like, you can, like, make melee attacks viable, like, and useful. So, you can go that route, but I just like being, like, Prowler. I want to talk about the enemies who, uh, the humans are stupid. Screw those guys. Yeah. Screw those enemies. The, the dragon... Not just sorry, not dragon, dragon. <laughs> Jesus, the 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 machine dinosaurs. You mean the are made, the best, the made dragons? Some, <laughs> yes, the machine dinosaurs, <laughs> the made dragon. This is what the anime podcast <laughs> become. <laughs> oh Jesus! Anyways, don't get me distracted. The uh, machine dinosaurs are the best enemies in this game. They're yeah. they're amazing. The face. There's even one called the tall neck oh, that God. you don't even fight. You try to get a high vantage point to jump on him, to climb up his neck into his top and like hack into his radar mm-hmm. to get this huge surrounding. And the whole time you're doing this, he's walking around yep. just like thundering his hooves. Yeah, it, that's it, the it, best it's part. So cool. Yeah, when I when I had that first encounter with the tall neck, which is it's kind of like part of a story mission, or it's on the way to a story mission. So yeah, you'll run into it. Uh, yeah, and when I got close, I just heard, like, the freaking subwoofer, like, shaking. <laughs> you get closer and closer, and it's just like, boom, boom. Like, yeah, and he will kill you if you get underneath him, so don't yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah, that was such a cool encounter. And uh, it was I think it was in that area in some buildings that I found, like, a data log 
that had like an old TV show. Um, a, like it was some like it was basically like a Fox News show. And like it's like, oh, there's all these people complaining about corporations taking over and making all these robots to take their jobs. But these un-American people are getting jobs in China now. They're working in Chinese factories. It's so un-American. I was just like, oh, God, they just put a Fox <laughs> News segment into this data log. <laughs> it's pretty funny. But uh, it, uh, as far as I've seen, that's like the most political that the data logs have gotten so far. But I'll be interested to see what else shows up in the game. Yeah, it might have been so fragmented that they're just basically snippets from the past, which don't make really any sense yet. Eventually, they might once they connect them together. But yeah, some other like just very minor quibbles I have with the game so far: the lip syncing can be off sometimes. Like it can be off for Aloy, though it's usually never too bad for her. And for some of the NPC characters who aren't like major characters, their their lip syncing can be kind of distracting sometimes. Um, I never really noticed. Yeah, if you just look at their, I mean, I don't want you to like do it now because you'll never unsee it again. But if you look, if yeah. you like watch their mouth while they talk, you'll notice like sometimes they just make mouth movements that don't even remotely match <laughs> what they're saying. wrong. <laughs> but uh, some characters are really good, though. Like, it depends on the character. Um, so, but yeah, it just comes at the cost of, like, having, like, these super high-def faces and these, like, just really, like, intense, like, conversations and, like, close-ups. So, yeah, I mean, like, most of the time I can just play it off and I'm like, oh, this is fine. Um, Aloy's, like, character model is just gorgeous, by the way. God. Like, I can't even get over it. Like, I will watch this character happily for however many games they make in this franchise. She's just a gorgeous character to look at. Yeah, just from my first uh, eight hours of play, I would really love to see more games like this. But uh, talking about one of the cons, I would say, I think item management is a little bit rough. Yeah. I feel like, because uh, you can collect resources as you're going along, and like, I collect them willy-nilly or I just see a whole batch and collect a whole bunch at once but I'm never really running out um and then just like when you're killing the enemies and you finally loot all their items it takes a bit of time depending on how many there were yeah and then when I'm picking up their items I'm not even reading them I don't need to I just collect (laughs) everything yeah me neither I've stopped reading unless it's like a blue item which is like a rare one I'll read that but yeah just that and but then you'll move on which takes a whole second and a half of your time yeah and, and then you end up just selling all the non nonsense stuff to one of the merchants or you make a potion which i'm maxed out and i'm not using any of them so apparently it's going to happen later on i haven't used the i haven't used a single potion in this game i i uh what i i unlocked the um double the size of your medicine pouch unlock which is okay. on which is on the right tree and once you get that like you can get like multiple like bar lengths of medicine pouch to go through so i just don't see a time when i'm going to have to use potions unless it's against like some crazy dinosaur yeah cuz you have like a was it a medicine pouch that you can heal with yeah i've never ran through that whole thing yet yeah cuz i'm just constantly picking up herbs on the way to go places correct correct yeah. which i mean i i'm i'm assuming it's going to possibly change on because this looks like a very large game so yeah 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 like just scrolling around the map and also one of the things i love is the overworld map is in like like 3d with like so you can see like how like vertically tall certain sections of the map are which is really it's like a really nice touch yeah, because you know which where how you need to approach it if you want to go in that certain area. Yeah, exactly. I, I really appreciate that. Skyrim good. had that too, uh, to a certain extent. I really like yeah, those this, types of maps. This game, if I had to say anything about it, it's like a Skyrim, maybe th- with the post-apocalyptic fallout, yeah. but way, way farther in the future and just graphics that just make the other two look like not not even not like absolutely terrible but just makes the other two definitely look like the predecessors of it yeah i mean it just it's like it's almost transcendent at times like i usually don't say that about games like yeah i got caught looking at a sunrise earlier for like 
20 seconds and i'm like oh shit i need to finish this mission yeah so it's like what is going on this light is so beautiful it has this oh like oh my god this dynamic i have a podcast system. in 30 minutes i need to <laughs> save this game jesus oh god i've been looking at this for 20 seconds need to stop <laughs> yeah it has this crazy dynamic weather system like where sometimes it'll just start raining or it'll start like blowing like flakes of i don't know if it's like snow or if it's just like like leaves will start blowing around in the it's air. It's like, like particles in the air. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure either. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, it was but like it's up just on a like mountain. Adds to like yeah. the crazy effect of the whole thing. God, yeah, it's just gorgeous. I took some pictures of that in photo mode as well, and it's just oh my god, it's unbelievable. Which says cool. something. I've never considered photo <laughs> mode until I played this game, and when I was looking at that sunset earlier, I'm like, should I open that photo mode? <laughs> <laughs> you should. You should. <laughs> It's fun to play around with. Uh, it's it's a pretty great photo mode. Yeah, it's definitely a system seller for sure. Yeah, I think there's people yeah. who were on the fence before, who will probably buy a console because of this. If this is a play PlayStation Four Pro launch title, yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, yeah. This definitely. I think this is a good reason to get a PlayStation 4 Pro. Though I, I hear it also runs very well on a normal PS4, so you don't have to feel like. You have to go buy a PS4 Pro to play this game. But if you have a 4K TV with HDR, you Just owe it to Pro. yourself to play yeah. this game on a PS4 <laughs> Pro because holy crap, it looks good. Um, so yeah, I mean, like I, I can't wait to play more of this game. Like I'm going to put aside like Neo and Yakuza 0 for a while until I finish this game. Oh yeah, I'm sitting here right now going, why am I doing a podcast when I could be playing this game? <laughs> <laughs> I had to force myself to take a couple breaks. Like, just like, I, I've like learned that about myself because like sometimes I'll just binge a game for like 10 hours straight and like i just don't enjoy the game at the like the tail end of that session as much as like i should so I've had no to, I've i had intentionally myself. break myself up like i took yesterday off which was tuesday from work to play this game i played four hours and i stopped for about an hour and a half i made lunch i did some dishes i did a couple things around the house just to get away from it yeah came back I think I, I loved it three times more than I did earlier if I would have kept playing. God, yeah. Like, and it's it tells you something like when you're not playing the game, but you're still thinking about the game. Like, yeah, because yeah. I, I kind of need to stop and I'm going to assess all the uh, 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 actions I made and whatnot. So, yeah. God, it's... It is a hell of a game. Like, I'm very excited about it. Um, I'm really interested to see where it ends up, and I'm sure we'll be talking about it more in the weeks to come. All right. You guys got anything else you want to talk about? Uh, not today. All right. That's about wraps it up. Uh, please subscribe to us on YouTube and follow us on Twitter for podcast updates. Remember, we're also on iTunes and Google Play now, so subscribe to us there and leave us a five-star review if you like what you've heard or whatever. Uh, thanks and see you guys next week. Peace.